Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. Good morning. Great to see everybody. And uh, if I haven't met you or you've never been here before, my name is Matt. And um, we're really glad to have you here this morning on this amazing day where we're celebrating what Jesus has done for us, who he is. It's pretty amazing, honestly. Never gets old. We will get to celebrate this all the time. I think into while we're in heaven, we'll be celebrating what the Lord has done for us and this and his resurrection. But we get to do it while we're here, which I really love as well. All right. Well, I want to share a few words here this morning um, on this great Resurrection Day. Um, On Resurrection morning, around the year A.D. 30, which many believe that's around the the year that Jesus was crucified, Um, but on Resurrection morning, several women, Mary, Joanna, another Mary, Salome, and other women, came running into a room full of fearful and scared men otherwise known as the apostles. And they started to share excitedly, I'm sure they were out of breath, in excited fashion what they had just seen. The stone rolled away from the tomb, angels there talking with them, and then Jesus speaking with Mary. And they run and tell these men what they have just experienced. And I you know, can imagine it was early morning. The guys weren't quite ready for all these words at this moment. And they were also afraid. They were also, um, maybe in addition to being drowsy, just unsure that this could actually be possible. In fact, it says here in Luke 24, verse 11, but these words, the words from the women, appeared to them as nonsense, and they would not believe them. These words appeared as nonsense to these men. And they, I mean, these women, they knew these women. I'm, they knew their hearts, they knew their lives, yet they did not believe what they were saying. They did not believe it. And I think oftentimes we can, when our hopes have been dashed, when our expectations have not been met, When we've been hurt in certain ways, it can be real difficult to hear something that is great, something that is great news, something that is exciting, something that is hope-filled. You can almost feel like that just goes right off like water off a duck's back. It just, it doesn't stick. And that's what was happening with them. It didn't seem true. The opposite seemed true of what they were saying. And these apostles, of course, these guys were no joke. They'd left jobs, families, They'd been mocked. They had been on the road with Jesus for over three years. These guys are tough guys. They've been through a lot. So these weren't, they weren't pansies. Yet they were fearful. They were probably thinking that what they saw from a distance happening to Jesus, they might have been next in line. You know, one of the things that I love about the Bible, I love about 
what God has done in giving us these preserved words is it validates, it corroborates the authenticity of what really happened and what these words say happened. If you were making up a story, if you were creating a religion, a man-made religion, you wanted to create something to get a bunch of people to believe it, which that's happened a lot, you would not include the mistakes, the fearfulness of your leaders, and you certainly, especially in this day, in a man's world, you would not include that this good, glad, merry news of Jesus' resurrection came through women because women were not to be trusted. That is exactly the day in which this happened. That's how people felt. That's what they believed. But the Bible, thankfully, it doesn't hide any of that stuff. It is not politically correct. It doesn't cover over truth. It's not a fairy tale. It tells all of the amazing wonders, and it also shares the warts, which to me shows me just how real this is. This is not something someone made up. You would not make it up this way. Let your hero and the, the God of everything came and died and bled as we were just singing about. Gave his life for us. It is a, an otherworldly story. A supernatural happening that has taken place that you and I get to be a part of. It's amazing. And what these women said was true. Jesus had risen from the dead. The Messiah, Son of God, Lamb of God, the Good Shepherd, and the Savior of the world had allowed himself to be cruelly beaten, brutally murdered on a wood cross to ransom all of us. But he didn't stay dead. He's fully alive even after all that had been prophesied and what Jesus had told them would take place. As Jesus told his disciples several times what was going to happen. He said he would die, but he also said he would be raised to, to life. And they weren't believing that. So today, here we are celebrating this historic and world-altering event that took place around 2,000 years ago. 1,300 years before Jesus, 1,300 years before Jesus, another event happened, which we call the Passover. It was the whole group of Hebrews that God was helping them to escape from Egypt. At the last plague, the death of the firstborn, they were told, the Hebrews were, to take an innocent, blameless little lamb to kill it use its blood to put over the doorposts of their home. And everyone inside that house, wherever the blood was, they would be protected from death. And then that happened. All of the firstborn were protected who had the blood over the doorpost. That became known as the Passover. The death angel passed over them. And then 1,300 celebrations of that Passover years later, here is Jesus. And one of his names, John the Baptist said it first, there's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, the perfect Lamb with perfect blood, whose blood delivers from death, like those little lambs did one time 
back in history, this Lamb of God's blood was perfect. We don't understand these things. In our world, it doesn't make sense in some ways. But sin could not be paid for any other way but for the blood of someone perfect. And only Jesus has been the only perfect person to have ever lived. He had the perfect blood that paid for that sin. Jesus' life, and as well as his resurrection, do you realize it's not just found here in our Bible? There are 16 non-biblical, non-Christian writers who wrote about the life of Jesus. A bunch of them. In fact, there's more documentation about Jesus being alive and living than there is about Tiberius Caesar existing. The Caesar at the time of Jesus. It's well documented. And then we have, in addition to biblical and non-biblical sources, but in, in the Bible we hear that five, over 500 people saw Jesus alive after he was resurrected. Over 500. And I think in part that testimony of these men who were afraid after they saw Jesus later risen from the dead indeed, like the women had said, they were not afraid to live the rest of their lives following him and dying for him themselves as they were martyred. That speaks also to the authenticity of what really happened, that Jesus really rose from the dead. So after the ladies had told them that Jesus was alive, Jesus later then walked through a wall into the same room with the doors locked and appears to his guys twice. The second time, he shows them his hands in his feet that had holes in his side and asked Thomas to go ahead and put your finger in here. You can feel this hole. You can feel this hole. This really happened. I really was dead and now I'm alive. He showed them that he was alive. Decades later, Jesus once again appeared to an older apostle John. In Revelation 1, 17, it says this, Jesus appears to John, and the first thing he says, just like he did when he showed up in the room, he said, peace be to you, peace. Here he shows up in front of John and says, don't be afraid, which means what? Yeah, usually you're afraid. If Jesus is telling you don't be afraid, then you're probably afraid. Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last and the ever-living one. I died, but see... I'm alive forevermore, not just a few decades ago when you saw me last. I'm alive forevermore, and I have, he adds to this, I have the keys of death and Hades, or the realm of the dead. I own the keys to life, death, and hell. You know, keys speak of authority, they speak of access, they speak of ownership. Jesus is saying, not only have I risen from the dead, but I have the keys to the netherworld. I have the keys to life and death right now, forever. Pretty amazing. To a grieving sister who had just lost her brother to death, Jesus says in John eleven twenty five, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, 
even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. When we believe in him, this, I mean, this is unbelievable in some ways, but if we will believe in him, we will never die eternally. There's eternal life. The one who rose from the dead gives all who believe in him eternal life. It's like the, it is the best story ever told. It is worth remembering over and over. The great enemy death, both natural and eternal, was overcome and will always be overcome by Jesus. And he came to earth because he loves us. He was sent here because the Father loves us. Out of love, he gave his life. Out of love for every single person. There are people, many in the world, who do not feel loved. And maybe they're not by a person, but they're loved by Jesus. Every one of us right here, if you don't feel loved, then you're believing a lie. You are loved deeply, greatly, to the core, before you were ever born. And your life has been planned. And your eternity's been planned. How about that one? To be with him forever. We are so loved. If Jesus had not been resurrected, just would have been a, a good man dying with good teachings that got, died with him. Many good people have died. And some of them even on behalf of other people, to help other people. But none of them rose from the dead, like Jesus. The resurrection means he's not only good, but everything he said was true. He said, the son of man will be killed, but will rise again from death. That happened. The resurrection means beyond being a good man, he has power over death. The resurrection means there's supernatural involvement. This is not just a man thing, a mankind thing. This is God involved very closely. The resurrection means hope for today, tomorrow, eternity, full life today, like we were talking about with the baptism. So too, you and I get to live a life like Jesus lived when we identify with him in baptism. We were raised to new life with him. Behold, all things become new. Isn't that amazing? New life is what we get because of Jesus and his resurrection. Victorious living. In Romans 8 says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who indwells you. Which is why I often just say, I ask for the spirit of God all over again. Fill me again. I need the spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead to live in me today. By faith, I believe that, and I receive that, and I breathe him in. We need these reminders, because the world is everything the opposite of that. This scripture is true. You've also been made alive. 1 Corinthians 15, 21 says, For since by a man came death, speaking of Adam, the first Adam, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. All who believe in him are made alive. A true life. There are many people who live breathing on the earth, who live with great resources and wealth, but are dead on the inside. 
absolutely dead on the inside, focused on their own selfishness, bound to sin, hurting, lonely, without clear purpose, because all of those things come from Jesus. Truly alive only comes through Jesus. Being fully alive only comes from him. Let's look at this story in Luke chapter 24. I love the story that Luke captured here. Of course, Luke was not one of the apostles. He was a physician, really a historian. He, he wrote down, he interviewed a lot of people and wrote down their firsthand experiences with Jesus. And here he writes the story. He says, now the very day, the resurrection day, that Sunday that Jesus rose, two of them, two of his followers, were going to a village seven miles from Jerusalem called Emmaus. And they were conversing about all the things that had occurred. Imagine these two guys, they've just, they love Jesus, they followed him, and then they've watched him die. They waited in Jerusalem for three days. Then they leave, they're walking home, they're talking about this. And it happened, verse 15, that while they were conversing and debating, Jesus himself, <laughs> Jesus himself, drew near and walked with them. Do you realize that, um, this is a side note, but there are hundreds of thousands of people meeting Jesus today in the world in places that have no person that can share the gospel legally or you're gonna die or get hurt, but Jesus himself is appearing to many still today. Not just, not just here, he's still appearing to many people and telling them about himself and many are believing Many who will watch this broadcast today, this is how they got saved, because this goes to the Middle East. This is one of the areas in the world where people are meeting Jesus by the hundreds of thousands. Angels are appearing to them, just like they did to the women here, as well as Jesus himself. So Jesus himself drew near and walked with them, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. Jesus either disguised himself real well, I mean, he can do anything, Either he looked like someone else, sounded like someone else, or he caused their eyes to have a filter on it of some kind. That he was unrecognizable. And he was just doing this. I think he was enjoying this. And he asked them, verse 17, what are you discussing as you, are, as you walk along? And they stopped, looking downcast, looking sad. They stopped. When he asked that question, what are you discussing? Oh, one of them, named Cleopas, said to him in reply, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have just taken place in these days? Do you live under a rock, man? I mean, that's basically what he's saying to him. Verse 19, and he, Jesus, replied to them, what sort of things? Tell me about what? What, you're what? what are you talking about? You know, Jesus will talk like this still with you and I. He wants to know what's in our heart. There's this real live relationship with Jesus. Though he knows everything, he'll draw things out. It's pretty amazing. So what sort of things he asks? And they said to him, the things that happened to Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, used to be, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, 
how our chief priests and rulers both handed him over to the sentence of death, and then they crucified him. Verse 21, but we were hoping, we used to hope, we used to hope that he would be the one to redeem Israel. They had all kinds of ideas of how he was going to redeem Israel. And besides all of this, it is now the third day since this took place. Now, yeah, there were some women from our group, however, they've astounded us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and they did not find his body. They came back and reported they had indeed seen a vision of angels, not really angels, just a vision of angels, right, who announced that he was alive. Then some of those who of us went to the tomb and found things just as the woman had described, but him they did not see. And he said to them, oh, how foolish you are. Yikes. Jesus says to these guys, how foolish you are, how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets spoke. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them what what referred to him in all the scriptures. Jesus preaches Jesus on a seven-mile walk with two people. How about that? I, you know, one of, those, one of my requests in heaven will be, I would like to go back and see that whole thing. I'd like to be right there. I want to hear what Jesus said about himself from Moses all the way through the scriptures, talking about himself. As they, verse 28, as they approached the village to which they were going, he gave the impression that he was going on further, farther. Still, here's another personality portion of of God. He is like this. He may just act like he's going to keep going because he's waiting for an invitation from us. It says, they urged him, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, evening and the day is almost over. So what did Jesus do? Just like with the Samaritans, he did the same thing. He was intending to go right on through in John chapter 4. They said, please stay with us. He stayed there two extra days. God goes where he's wanted. He really does. He stays where he's invited. He eats with those who want to converse with him. Pretty amazing. They urged urged him, stay with us. It's nearly, nearly evening. So he went to stay with them. And it happened that while he was with them at table, he took bread. Imagine this. Said the blessing broke it. Speaking of his own breaking that had just happened a few days before and gave it to them. With that, their eyes were opened and they recognized him, but he vanished from their sight. He vamoosed out of there. Gone in a second, right in front of them. It's interesting to me in this how these two men, like the disciples, the apostles, had been following Jesus, believed in him. But when things didn't happen the way that they had hoped or expected or wanted, they lost hope. And now Jesus, we were hoping that he was the one. He was, we thought he was a prophet, but eh, not sure. All the things that Jesus had said came about, but they didn't believe because their expectations in their own hearts were dashed. They weren't met. 
That is a danger for every single one of us. When we have expectations that God's going to do things a certain way, when we think that things are going to happen a certain way, when we pray a certain way and we're expecting it to happen that way only and God doesn't decide to do it that way, there's an opportunity right there to fall off the ledge of our faith and to doubt and not believe. And that is what happened to all these followers of Jesus during this time, except for these women, as they saw him and heard him and were rejoicing. But God always has the last word. He always has the last word. He always has a way, and he's doing things beyond what we understand. He's working in ways or has already done them, and, we're, and he's waiting for us to catch up to what he's done or to see it the way that he sees it. For us right now, we live in a weird world right now. Weird society. I never, I mean, I wouldn't have imagined 20 years ago the things that if you watch the news or you see that pe people can't even figure out what is a man or a woman anymore. This, it is bizarre. I mean, I never would have thought that we would be where we are just a few years ago. And that society has thrown away everything related to God, everything related to morality, everything related to ethics, things that used to be Christian principles that our country had, even if they weren't Christians, they still had those things. And all those like flushed. We live in a weird world. But guess what? We can be without hope in some ways, but Jesus told us these things were going to happen. We are not so much different than maybe some of those first century apostles and followers of him. They're like going, what is going on? And feel despair, feel worry because of what's going on in the world. Feel like everything is crumbling and the whole world is just crumbling. Oh my goodness. It's going to be easy to then lose faith and doubt. That's what's happening to so many. There are so many believers, some that I know personally, many that I don't. By the thousands who've ejected faith, ejected God out of their life and said, no, that doesn't exist. They either had a bad experience with, um, with church or a Christian or they had expectations that weren't met and things just get jettisoned. Timothy says this, or Paul says it to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.1. He's prophesying of the days that you and I are in. He says, but understand this, there will be difficult, and in this version it says terrifying times in the last days. Difficult or terrifying times in the last days. People will be self-centered and lovers of money. You just take those two right there, and it boils down everything that's going on in our society to these two things in many ways. Self-centeredness, and lovers of money. Proud, haughty, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful. Wow, that's a huge one. Ungrateful for those who have gone before us, those who have died in wars and given their lives, those who have provided freedom in our country. Ungrateful for everything. Irreligious. Some translations say unholy, but what it really means is shunning everything having to do with God. It's a little bit of where we are in the world. Callous, hard-hearted. Not hearted, not, not soft toward what other people are going through. Just callous. Or even 
their own sin, callous to sin. Irreconcilable, never able to forgive. Holding grudges, slanderous, licentious, brutal. Hating what is good. Isn't that interesting? Hating things that are good. Loving things that are evil. Isaiah 5 says, woe to those who call good evil and evil good, right? It says that's, that's what happens in the last days. People become haters of what is good. Traitors, reckless, conceited. The list is long. Conceited. Lovers of pleasure or their feelings. Let me put it that way. Rather than lovers of God. These are the days we find ourselves in. Here we are. It's okay. Guess what? You and I were born for these moments. No surprise to God of any of this. In fact, he's already told us it's going to happen. Here we are. And it is not hopeless. It is not hopeless. Jesus rose from the dead, paid for our sins, lives a brand new life that we can live in him in the midst of whatever craziness the world chooses to believe or however they, be, they choose to behave, whatever the enemy stirs up, because he's stirring up everything he possibly can. He's like a big tornado right now, just trying to sling things all over the place and trying to get people to doubt and disbelieve and lose hope and be discouraged. And here we have Jesus, risen Jesus, walking on the road with every single one of us. He's with us. Here, here's what Jesus says. I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Whatever road you're walking on, guess who's with you? Jesus. I will never, ever leave you or forsake you. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Even to the end of the age. Whatever road we choose to be on, he's with us. He has risen from the dead. He is hope. He is life. He is truth. And we have to make sure that we are not those who are thinking these words are nonsense. We have to make sure we're believing and having our hope fixed on him, our eyes fixed on him, who is our hope. Christianity is not a lot of talk. It's the kingdom of God that has power over death, over sin, it's eternal life, it's hope. It's your eternal being coming fully to life. Now, not just later. It's an everlasting love that fills you where you're loved always. And it's power to live differently tomorrow, next week, next month, and the rest of your lives. How about this? The bones of our Savior still have skin on them. And he's seated at the right hand with all authority and keys in that hand. Over death, hell, the grave. Those who love him, it says in Ephesians, that we're seated there with him in spirit. There's a oneness with him. We died with him, we're raised with him, we're seated with him in the heavenly places. Regardless of what it feels like, regardless of what sounds like, this sounding like nonsense, it's real. The risen Savior has made it so. Christianity is, is not a nostalgic notion of remembrance only about a good man who died unjustly. Ah, oh, that's not what it's about. 
It's about a, a love so lavish that he would not stop at anything. He would go through anything to the very end to even die himself so that you and I can live, so that we can be forgiven, so that we can have new life. The resurrection means love won. And love has greater power than all death combined. All of de all the diseases combined, whatever the enemy slings, doesn't matter. We have the victorious one as our God. And we are in him and he is in us. This resurrection means you and I can live a life of freedom, of power over sin, a life full of joy, power over the enemy. And we can fulfill the purpose that Jesus has for us. Sometimes failing along the way, stumbling, making mistakes, getting back up again, getting back up again, asking for forgiveness, getting refilled with the Spirit of God, but always with Him and He's always with us. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.